Welcome into the KSO Show. I am Mason Voth, joined by Derek Young as we come to you from K-State Online, part of On3, where uh, depending on when you're watching this or hearing this, you have minimal time left to take advantage of a really good offer. You can get signed up just $1 uh, at your first sign-up and 50% off an annual subscription uh, if you get signed up right now. So uh, if you're listening or watching this and it's like 6 o'clock at night, jump on it, get after it. Uh, get busy or you're going to be left in the dust and wondering why you're you're paying full price or something uh tomorrow so take advantage of the offer when it's there please yes <laughs> yes yeah that way you know nobody's worried about uh hey well we missed out on this or something no take advantage of it it's there for the taking head on over to k-state online get signed up and you're good to go and, and you do so now and you'll have all the the buzz of who may or may not be leaving Kansas state. Cause there's about three or four players pretty much wrestling with that decision right now, waffling back and forth, whether or not to return to Manhattan or not. Um, and you get all the goods on that kind of stuff by being a member at K state online, jump on the message board, read the articles, listen to us, all, all sorts of stuff recruiting, picking up as well. Cause they're going to be active in the transfer portal. And uh, signing day is what less than a month away. So yeah, a lot of lot of things coming up right now that I think uh, everybody would probably want to get on top of and and be ready for. But the biggest topic of discussion right now has to do with quarterback, as it has pretty much the entire season for K State. It starts with the news that Will Howard is in the transfer portal, and we covered that yesterday when the news broke. It is a significant deal. Obviously, a guy that has played quarterback in parts of four consecutive seasons now for K State, uh, just you know, and, and and did it well at times. Won a Big Twelve title for the Cats, and had some moments this year that yes, they weren't great, but overall, I think still had a pretty solid season for the Cats. I mean, he did tie the single season touchdown pass record, um, and that's even without playing in his bowl game. So uh, that's that's significant there, but. The big part of this and the thing that really gets everybody excited, excited is what comes now. And that is, it is Avery Johnson. Whatever superlative you want to use for the freshman for Mays, you can use it because that's how people are referring to him. There are a lot of different nicknames, a lot of different things that people are promising for Avery Johnson. But the Avery Johnson era officially starts now. What do we what do we expect uh, over the next month as we gear up towards a K State bowl game that we still don't know the opponent or the location of yet? Uh, but what should be expected of Avery Johnson for just this coming month? Then we can get into the big picture stuff that comes after that because obviously there's a, a whole other path that you want to talk about what the next three years look like at K State. Yeah, absolutely. I guess what I'm looking forward to the most in the immediate future is to see what an offense that is kind of, you know, molded around him is going to look like. Uh, obviously, I don't think Colin Klein's going to reinvent the wheel. Uh, we know what the offense is. The one that even was, you know, deployed by Will Howard is still the vision, I think, in general, that, that Colin Klein wants it to look like, the image that he certainly wants it to look like. But in terms of a game plan and, you know, just – overall approach to what he will specifically do to enhance the skill set of Avery Johnson. I think that's what I'm most curious about. 
because I look, it's not going to, he's not going to be a Heisman Trophy winner right away, right? Like, we're not going to jump to, to uh, those are you kinds sure of, about that? We're not going to jump to those kinds of conclusions, obviously. And, and there will be some growing pains. I think we even saw that throughout this year, a time or two, where he throws a ball, I probably shouldn't throw, hangs on to a ball where he probably should have got rid of, you know, little things like that. Um, that's probably going to be a problem in this bowl game. It'll probably be a problem at times next year just because uh, he doesn't have a lot of seasoning or experience under his belt just yet. But, like, you know what he can do. Like, some of the the splashier things that he can do. And what does Colin Klein have in it, in his bag, so to speak, that will, you know, be conducive to those special traits that Johnson does have? I mean, that that's one of the things that should be exciting to everybody as you think about – kind of the the leaps and the excitement that has been brought the last two years with Colin Klein running the offense for K-State. And even you throw in the bowl game at the end of 2021 uh, because that that was exciting to watch how K-State operated there. It's kind of a similar circumstance with what's going on here. Just the, the difference is it was Skylar Thompson on the way out with a new OC as opposed to you have an OC that now basically you have everything at your disposal with this quarterback coming into his time and you get to be able to put your best foot forward and kind of make a good impression there. And I'm with you. I, the excitement of seeing how Colin Klein and Avery Johnson mesh together is going to be exciting because, I mean, that what that he's the number one reason why Avery's at K-State, right? Like, it's, it's that relationship there and what Colin can do for Avery Johnson, or at least what Avery Johnson thinks he can do for him. And I think you also look at it from a standpoint of Avery Johnson can do so many different things well that – that's really exciting for an offensive coordinator, especially one like Colin Klein that, yeah, I mean, these OCs, they know that throwing the ball is important and you want a quarterback that can throw it well. And Avery Johnson can do that. Don't forget that. But also everybody knows that he is an elite runner when it comes to that. And that is what his offensive coordinator was really skilled at. Now they will be totally different runners. I feel pretty good in saying that based on uh, how they play. But I just think that there are so many things at the disposal for Colin Klein to have a guy like Avery Johnson at quarterback, um, that's probably a really exciting proposition for him right now. The only thing that I would probably you know, pump the brakes on and tell people to, to keep in mind is some of the issues that plague this offense this year, like you know, struggling receivers at times and some, some weak spots in the offensive line, Like that's not going to get corrected just because Avery Johnson is your quarterback now. Uh, he's going to have to deal with that in this bowl game and then building everything back up as things move towards the future. But what I will say is that I think it's exciting to think about what Avery Johnson can do with his legs, with DJ Giddens, and how that might also set up things next season for a receiving group that I think will probably be better than what we saw this year just from the standpoint of Jace Brown didn't start playing until the Texas Tech game, but he quickly became probably your top target in terms of making plays for you. Philip Brooks was probably still the most reliable. And so he'll have another year under his belt. Obviously, there's a connection with him and Avery already. And then you start to hope that, hey, maybe a guy like Keegan Johnson gets stays healthy, gets things figured out. He can finally bust out. And we saw him get used more as the season wore on. And then whatever else ends up getting into the mix. And just another big important thing to, to remember, and you can probably speak better on this than I can, but now you're going to go into year three of Colin Klein and you're going to continue to see this gradual move towards getting more talented receivers or playmaking type of guys 
into the offense and finding ways to be creative and, and make this a fun and attractive and successful offense other than just, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, be Courtney Messingham and Bland and boring. Uh, and the only thing that people could get excited about Courtney Messingham, it's like, oh, my gosh, did you see what he had these offensive linemen do to block? Look, that's great. It's, it's a fun highlight every once in a while. But in the end, none of us care. We want to see the flash, the glitz, and the glamour, and that's what Colin Klein and Avery Johnson can be together. Yeah, I got explosive elite running ability, and I know people are going to be like, well, I hope they don't run them 20 times a game and, and then it gets hurt because of, you know, I can't stay fans. I realize they have that PTSD of that because they've seen that mm-hmm. time and time again. And I, I do think they need to pump the brakes on that. I think they will, but I, but I think they need to pump the brakes on that as well. Um, but it's just not something I'm totally concerned about because I think they will be careful in that regard. I think they are excited to finally unlock him in the passing game because even in his appearances so far this year, I think calling them conservative or a little bit protective of them, of Avery, when it came to allowing him uh, to throw the ball downfield was probably the case. So now you're going to see it without any shackles on it. I think that's exciting to consider. <laughs> Excuse me. But, but also because in, I will say even the running part of it, why it doesn't concern me too much, is he's such a different kind of runner, and we've seen it even in his, you know, I guess you could say limited amount of reps this year, is that he is so elusive so fast and, you know, explosive that he's really good at about preventing other teams from getting a clean shot on him. Yeah, he's got he, – has, he has more of a true running ability to him where – you know, you think about the the last handful of quarterbacks. Will Howard and Skylar Thompson could run when it was there, and Skylar had a little bit more running playmaking to him than what Will did. But neither of them were of the same caliber or type of runner that Avery Johnson can be. And so those guys would be in positions where, when they got hit, they'd they'd put themselves in a little bit more of dangerous situations. Now, that's not saying it can't and won't happen with Avery Johnson, but I do think that the the concern there is is to some extent grossly overstated because, I mean, you know, think about DJ Giddens. He, he's a legitimate running back and obviously different, you know, body types or whatever and, and coming from different angles. But DJ Giddens has been fine throughout this season for K-State. And you're not going to run Avery as much as you ran DJ Giddens this season, I wanted to yeah. imagine. So I, I just think you have guys that if they run better and they have, like you said, the elusiveness, that's going to avoid some of it. And you know, some guys can just take hits better. I, I think, uh, and we, we have yet to see if, if Avery Johnson has this in him or not, but, like, I think Deuce Vaughn is the best football player I've ever seen when it comes to taking hits and then, like, going down and just finding ways to do that. And I think that's something where, ability-wise, Avery Johnson will understand at some point how to keep himself best prepared and safe on the field to make sure he can keep going out there. I don't think he's going to be reckless with the way he runs. He's going to be smart about it. And also you can have a little bit of recklessness to you when you have all of the skill and talent that he, that we know he has as a runner. And I will say this on the passing side too, like it is also a delicate situation for K-State to manage when he was in most games this year, because yeah, the Missouri and Texas games, they probably could have been a little bit more like, hey, we're going to let you throw it here. But if you think about some of the other situations, they were up so big. It's not like uh, Chris Kleiman wanted to be the guy that was 
you know, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to throw our four-star quarterback in there and let him zip balls to you. But I thought when he had the chance to throw this year, he made some plays. I, the game against SEMO, he made some nice throws uh, when he first got in there. He had the big 21-yarder to uh, Jace Brown in Lubbock uh, mixed in with all the running that he did for five touchdowns. So I think that I think the throwing is there, and I'm not worried too much about that. If anything, for at least this upcoming game, I'd worry a little bit about the receiving core just because we've seen struggles this year, especially since, you know, who knows if we'll see Ben Sennett play in that game or not. Um, and so that takes away a reliable target for a quarterback. But there will be guys moving forward, and, and Avery Johnson has the talent to throw the ball. Yeah, I'm not really concerned about the way he can throw the ball. I, I know he can certainly spin it. I will also say just because you you want to prevent injury, and I get wanting to prevent that injury, but you can't be so careful with him uh, in terms of running the ball that you basically take away yeah. what makes Avery Johnson Avery Johnson. you got to let him go be Avery Johnson um, and realize what that entails, and, and you'll assume that risk just because of it and trust him to make good decisions and to keep himself healthy because he, he can't avoid the clean shot. Like I said, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, but now I say all that he is the only quarterback that's going to be available for the bowl game. Yeah. The absolute yeah. quarterback because Jacob Knuth cannot play. Well, uh, the the hope would be is that he's fine. He can go whatever. Uh, and, and there's nothing weird the that happens in that game. The emergency quarterback is Max Marsh, who has who was a quarterback at Kansas State at one time, now is a defensive player, but he's going to, have to be the backup quarterback this game. Who, uh, if you if you could pick one guy to go back there, not knowing previous skill sets, but you said, okay, you got to be real creative with this. Uh, who would who would you want to be uh, the emergency quarterback just to see what they could do back there? Uh, can, can I do it like a well? I, I will say that I, I think about Shane Porter because I think, and not, but he's transferring too. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, yeah. But I think he was a high school quarterback or at least played some. So that that came to mind. Um, recruited as a wide receiver, obviously, but I think he was played some quarterback. So he came to mind as a joke side of things. The first one I thought about because. And it's pretty hilarious that he was a quarterback. Was Uso oh, Sayavala? Okay. Well, I thought you were going to uh, to go with my joke. Uh, I I assume you and Drew would know my answer immediately. Uh, I would say Carver Willis uh, because he's the he's the non quarterback that I saw throw the ball the most before games pre-game. last season. Yeah. Uh, this no, whole season, that was part of his pregame routine. Throwing the ball with one of the managers, so he's he's got to get himself ready, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you never know when you might go that far down the depth chart, or uh, when you might have a bowl game where none of the quarterbacks are available uh, outside of now Avery Johnson. So, in, in terms of what this means, big picture though, like obviously Will hits the portal, so you don't have much control there. But I, I think this is I think this is a good thing for K State in a lot of ways. I. I would have had no issue if Will Howard played in the bowl game for K State, and if he stuck it out through that point, um, like I, you know, he 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 definitely is owed every opportunity to continue to play quarterback to finish out the season if he wants to. But this is kind of a, a good spot for K State outside of the fact that you don't have any other quarterbacks that can play in this game because it feels like you know disappointing loss to end the season. 
eight and four team. There's a little bit less juice to the bowl game now, but you get Avery Johnson, the guy that's the future that has all this hype in there. Uh, and it feels like this, this is not just, okay, a quarterback change and like, this is fun. This is a legitimate, like there's a major shift right now in K-State football. And it just kind of resets what the next three years are expectations shoot up and everything else. So what does this mean? Big picture for K-State going with Avery Johnson in this game and, you know, over the next, hopefully three years for the Wildcats. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of like the, the ground shifting. It's I think it's a reset for the program because, and I think some of it was what we were kind of warned about what a two QB system could kind of create. But I think there was ended up creating a little bit of some factions within the locker room. Um, I don't think it was like the unhealthy kind, but obviously guys like Hayden Gillum, Ben Sinnott, like that crew that was, you know, you know, definitely in the corner of Will Howard. But I think th- those are the guys that are kind of moving on <laughs> is that faction. So now you're seeing the Avery Johnson crew basically be given the keys to the car. Um, and I think it's a great idea and it's great for the program in general not just to do that, but to do it now before the bowl game. Cause now you're looking at this, like your springboard, your momentum driver for what the off season is going to be. Um, you give him the, not just the spring ball, right. Uh, mm-hmm. As the engineer of Kansas state football for the next two or three years, um, you're giving him an actual game to prepare for. So next season game one's not going to be the first time that he does that as the starter. I think this is a huge experience and a huge few, huge next what month for yeah. for Kansas State football, um, not just for Avery Johnson, but what that entails: him running the show, him turning into the face and the leader of the program, and finding who he wants to be on this ride with the next couple of years. Well, I, I think I think that's a great point because not only is it that he's getting this game to go through it and it's like, you're the guy, this is how it's going to be moving forward. So you'll have that preparation, but you're going to get it against a pretty good opponent. I mean, you're going to, you're going to face a potentially a, a top 10 defense in NC state. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get no matter how you slice it. I mean, I think the, the, the three candidates for this game would be NC state, North Carolina and Notre Dame probably now Notre Dame's gone to this game a ton recently. So I don't know that I really think that they'll end up back there. I, and NC state smacked North Carolina. So good yeah. in that final game. I, I, I think the Wolfpack are probably more likely to be the team in this game than even Kansas state. I and, think that'll be that matchup, but they're more and likely. North Carolina, probably less attractive now for this game. Cause I, I haven't seen it yet, but I doubt Drake may is going to play in this game. Honestly, if, if you, you know, in terms of bowl scenarios and everything, if you're, you know, thinking about where K-State ends up, this might make K-State more attractive to the Pop-Tarts Bowl now because, you know, I, I, I think that there are a number of people that probably would have been like, if they if K-State ends up in Orlando at the Pop-Tarts Bowl, that would have said, no, nah, you know, what? A, it, it's just so far. That's a tough time of year to get there. I think there are a lot of people now that changed their tune that wouldn't have gone anyways and said, if Avery Johnson's our guy, I want to be there when that happens. I want to be there for it, and it pushes people over the edge. I, I think this makes K-State a better sell to the Pop-Tarts Bowl than even what they were and what the interest seemed to be there. TV-wise, too, because I think he does have yes, you know, an odd amount of national appeal, probably because he was such a Valley Hoop recruit. Mm-hmm. But like nationally, he's known, he, and people want to watch him. Yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be a good time. 
Uh, all right. Well, m- moving on here. K State now the, enters. I, will, I will do have to because we're talking bull scenario stuff a little bit, and I think a lot of this is just assuming Texas beats Oklahoma State on Saturday morning um, in the Big Twelve championship game. But what's interesting about this is, and I think it's right, but let's assume. Oklahoma does not get a New Year's Six invitation. They might, but mm-hmm. let's assume they don't. They get the Alamo Bowl in all likelihood at that point. And the next one is the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And because they have Kansas State right there to take and they followed Kansas State around this year, you could tell that they really want them. And Oklahoma State's been there twice in the last four years, I believe. Yeah. It's going to be weird if this happens. Like Oklahoma State will go from being in the Big 12 championship game to falling all the way to the Texas bullet bet. Yeah, Oklahoma State is is looking at a scenario where they're either playing in the Cotton Bowl or the Texas Bowl. Maybe Liberty, because I think the Texas Bowl really wants Iowa State. Yeah, and yeah, because Iowa State hasn't... If you think about it, the Pop-Tarts Bowl the last five years, two Iowa State, two Oklahoma State, and then Oklahoma last year. So you're probably not getting that uh, those three schools there. And then you think, yeah, the Texas Bowl probably would take Iowa State. You know that Iowa State fans will travel, and that's a new destination for them. You'll play an uh, an SEC opponent there. So it makes sense how that would would work out. Yeah, there's a chance Oklahoma State goes from the Big 12 title game all the way down to the Liberty Bowl. Yikes. At that point, they may want to see if they can go to Shreveport. But I – it KU's not going back to the Liberty Bowl because they were just there last year, and Oklahoma State played in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl last year. So I don't yeah, know. It's, so it's a complicated. That, match. And that so that would put that would put KU in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl or the Independence Bowl. Yeah. So we'll we'll have to monitor the bowl situation. We'll have more uh, on that obviously this weekend when the bowl scenarios get announced and everything else. Uh, in terms of you know shifting back to Avery Johnson, K State enters this three year window now where. I think 2024, you know, this year expectations were a little bit higher. You won 10 games last year. The opportunity was there many times this year to win 10 games. K-State not going to be able to achieve that goal, but still could be a nine-win team. Uh, Thinking about next year, with everybody leaving and all the adjustments that have to be made, even if you're one of the people out there that thinks you're getting an immediate upgrade at quarterback, uh, going from you know a senior Will Howard that won a Big 12 title to a, a sophomore Avery Johnson with limited snaps. Uh, there are other elements of K-State's team that are going to be in a tough spot next year, whether that's guys on the defense that have departed, obviously a lot of offensive linemen and and some skilled guys on offense. Like we know, uh, you know Ben Sennett will move on and Trayshawn Ward is now in the portal. So what is the expectation in the latter need? needing to look like for you over the next three years for K-State where 2024, they should be at this record wise, 2025. And then is the ultimate goal succeeding in 25 or 26 to get back on top of the big 12 mountain. I think 2024, I don't know if I'd put a record on it, obviously, you know, bowl game at minimum, but probably don't want to be six and six, but that should be the minimum expectation. Cause I think Kansas state is a program now where any year without a bowl game is a, failure i mean this is this is kansas state um but it'll be a a growing together kind of year i think in general aside from you do have to make a bowl game i would say just solidify the pieces that you want to put around avery johnson 
because I think 2025 when he's a junior, yeah, 2025 when he's a junior, that's the year you're saying we're, uh, if not the Big 12 title favorite, we're one of them. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I I think you have to look at it and, and pick. Because uh, 25 20, is last year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, depending on how things go, you, you may only get two full seasons of it. I will say it, next year, the schedule in a lot of ways – uh, can shape up a little bit more favorably other than the fact that K-State, as we know, kind of uh, gets screwed on their home game situation in coming years. But uh, you are going to have the opportunity there with some favorable home games against teams that I would imagine will be down a little bit. Um, and then also not the toughest road schedule. I think probably your toughest games next year that you're looking at for K-State, it's probably going to be Arizona when they come to Manhattan. Uh, that's the third game of the year. Yeah, all then, of a sudden, that's a tough game. <laughs> yeah, and then you're talking like at Colorado, at Iowa State, and then when KU and oh, and and you go to to Morgantown next year. So that's probably another one that I should give some credit to Neil Brown and them. But I I think next year, honestly, I would probably feel a little bit disappointed if K State didn't win eight games again. I I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if it was seven or something. Uh, but I think that seven to eight would be the target, and then. I think you have to really start considering and hoping that because you have that talent at quarterback, you're able to make everything else work if you're Chris Kleiman and have this team ready to go where you're at least in contention in 2025 for putting yourself towards the top of the Big 12. And uh, honestly, this is a lot of this is a lot of pressure and it's not meant to only go on Avery Johnson, but if you don't win a Big 12 title with Avery Johnson, in Manhattan, especially considering the fact that Texas and Oklahoma have moved on, it is going to feel a little bit disappointing. And it's not necessarily going to be to the fault of Avery Johnson, but it's just you're going to feel like you you wasted a golden chance there. Oh, yeah. I'd like I hate to use the the word, the the particular vocabulary, but it's a failure, right? If you mm -hmm. don't win a big, a big 12 with Avery Johnson, and part of that is because you just won a big 12 with Will Howard. Yeah. So it's a, a little bit of an ironic twist of fate. Aside from having a somewhat tricky non-conference slate, like you you mentioned, Arizona is part of the non-conference, even though yeah. they're a conference opponent. You also got to go to Tulane. And assuming Willie, Willie Fritz is still their coach, I mean, Tulane's going to be coming off back-to-back double-digit win seasons. They beat you. In your house, it would have been two years before that. I think Michael Pratt's probably gone at that point, but does he have any eligibility left? That'll be interesting. I, I believe he does. I think there was even that report that he was going to, instead of entering the draft, was going to transfer uh, after the season. I don't know the status on that still. So I my assumption is that he will not be at Tulane next year. I think he has a year left. But I, I, it seems likely that he either ends up going to the NFL or going to the transfer portal. Anyway, th those two of those first three games are a little bit tricky, but unless Colorado makes noticeable improvements, that'll be a challenge just because it's earlier in the season. Well, you don't know when it's going to be. If it's yeah. earlier in the season and being in Boulder, I think that's a challenge because they're trying to build depth within their program. But you could tell even at the beginning of this year, and I know part of it was because their schedule was a little bit more forgiving, was that Colorado was better while they were still healthy and their death wasn't being taxed. Mm -hmm. 
So you'd rather play Colorado later in the season, probably, um, because I would assume they might run into a similar issue this year. But that is in Boulder, and they were they played better at home regardless of what they were or weren't this year. At least it felt that way to me. BYU, are they better? I don't know. But that's another team to really get a home. So yeah. I don't think you can just chalk that up that one up either. I, Houston's going to be probably a little bit of a – they might get picked to finish last in the Big 12 next year, I would think. Um, them or Arizona State, and both those two teams are on the Kansas State schedule. Yeah, that's that's the thing. There are some on there that you go, okay, that should probably be not too bad. I, I you know, and, and, and you're probably thrilled to get Kansas and Oklahoma State both at home. Yeah, yep. Yep, for sure. I honestly the home schedule next year for K State, I mean, outside of the Arizona game, I, I think you're looking at a, a year where you're probably disappointed if you don't win them all. Um, yeah. And, yeah, especially but they do play their tougher opponents at home outside of I don't know. Is West Virginia gonna be good? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's they're kind of the wild card. I'm I, I don't even know if they were good this year. They just won some games, but uh, yeah, I it just yeah. But you play Arizona State and, and at home, then they're yeah. bad. Um, Iowa State's on a road. Yeah, be a it's potential. Potentially, your two toughest games, and this might say a lot. No, three toughest games. This might say a lot of what the schedule is now without a Texas or an Oklahoma. But are the three toughest games on this schedule Arizona, Oklahoma State, and Kansas? Yeah. I- I I I think so. I might put Iowa State ahead of Oklahoma State going into next year. Um, Ollie Gordon makes them so good, just in general. That's yeah, I, I that that is true. Uh, and and I mean he he'll be back next year, so um, I I would be weary of that. But yeah, uh, not that I'm saying this is going to make Kansas bad because it's not <laughs> but i would be remiss and i don't know if you've seen it in the I, last I have 10, seen i just saw minutes. yeah andy kotelnicki you know sounds like he's he at least interviewed with penn state today yep uh yeah credit to credit to your guy bri bri strick strick for uh putting that out there uh look i i just i bring up the scheduling thing for k-state over the next few years and everything else because uh it is one of those deals where when you have a talent like avery johnson you have to capitalize on it I mean, I think a lot of people think about, and this it's not going to be this, so do not even confuse what I'm trying to say here with this. But Josh Freeman was in Manhattan for three years, and the best that K-State did was go seven and five. Or maybe Ron Prince. Six six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Chris Kleiman is not Ron Prince, so I don't think you have to worry about it being that bad. But you wasted a first-round pick in the NFL at a premium position because – you know, Ron Prince was terrible. And I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen here, but to not live up to the expectations and standards uh, that have now been set, because like you said, you win a big 12 title. I think people thought a big 12 title could be won with Chris Kleiman as the head coach at K state, but to do it in a year after you lose Skylar Thompson, who had been around forever and Adrian Martinez gets hurt and you go to a guy, Will Howard that had been terrible his first two years and you do it with him. And now we know in hindsight that Will Howard played much better than what we would have expected after those first two seasons. But if you win it with Will Howard and you've already won it before you start to get the guys that you really, really want on campus, 
now the expectation is when they get here, more should come. And I have that same mindset. I think K-State should win games, uh, a lot of them with Avery Johnson at quarterback. So I, I think that the I think I think you have to have a team like you were saying earlier. You have to have a team ready to go by 2025 that can legitimately win the league because there is the chance that Avery Johnson is so good that he is only in Manhattan for three seasons, and that counts what we just saw this this year. Yeah, and I wouldn't rule out that they're they're contenders next year. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. More, I just think more than anything, if they're not, I don't think it's a failure. If yes. they're not Big Twelve title contenders next year, I don't think it's a failure. Because I think the top mission is to solidify everything around Avery Johnson using next year to do that so that you can win it in 25. I agree with that. I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, all right, let's real quick dive into some of the other things and uh, word in the portal because we know that K-State has already lost a handful of guys that have, that have decided to move on. Uh, what is the the expected, I guess, number that you think K-State gets to in terms of who they lose and how impactful the losses will be? Because this is something that I've been on for a long time in terms of K-State and the transfer portal and basically both basketball and football, is that K-State has been fortunate that outside of Nigel Pack, they've never really lost anybody to the portal that you go, oh my goodness, we, we lost this guy. Like That's detrimental. That is a terrible outcome for us. Uh, do you expect anything like that in the near future? And then where is K-State going to have to be the most active in terms of trying to bring guys in through the transfer process? I think it depends on what folks' reaction is to certain players, because I don't know, I guess, if I know exactly what the uh, feelings are about some guys or some positions. Look, I think you're going to be losing a chunk of your defensive ends, perhaps all of them that were regular contributors this year. So you're going to have to put a lot of energy into restocking that position, both through the high school ranks and the transfer portal. Uh, fortunately, I think that you have two guys that we know that they love that are going to be ready to contribute next year. But, you, you know, we saw this in the secondary this year. Um, and, and with other players, and it happens every season. First-year players can be really good. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be stupid at times and make you want to pull your own hair out. We saw that with Jacob Parrish. We saw that even with Keenan Garber because he was a first-year starter. VJ Payne, Marcus Siegel because he was a first-year player at Kansas State. So Chidi Obiizer, Jordan Allen, big-time potential upside players at defensive end for Kansas State. But next year they're going to be retro freshmen maybe first-year starters, you're, they're going to have really good moments and they're going to have some really bad moments. So that that's a part of, like, are you a Big 12 title contender next year when you got to go through some of that? I don't know. Um, and then Will Lee, that one, you know, people pro probably have a – maybe up until, you know, sat last Saturday, had a very high opinion of Will yeah. Lee. And I think there's a good chance that he may not be in Manhattan um, um, for another year. Yeah, that's probably the one that I think would be the the maybe the most shocking to some or uh, maybe the one that also, has the most pain attached to it just because you think of what the talent was and it was a, a position that K-State needed help at. But, you know, I, I think Jacob Parrish and, and Keenan Garber are guys that seem to – you're comfortable with them going into next year. It's just about building the depth beyond that spot. Yeah, building the depth beyond that. 
and maybe getting a little bit more size. Those guys are kind of small. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is very true. But at the end of the day, the big news: Avery Johnson. He is the guy now moving forward. It is what everybody has been waiting for and clamoring for, and uh, we will see what he ends up looking like in whatever bowl game it ends up being for the Wildcats. Uh, look, I, I'm still the opinion it's the Pop-Tarts Bowl, no matter what people want to try and say on Twitter or what some of the bowl projections you see out there. Uh, I saw our boy Stuart Mandel had K-State going to the Independence Bowl in Shreveport this year. That means that K-State would be the seventh team selected in the bowl process this year in the Big 12. Uh, if you want anything to discredit that, they had West Virginia going to the Pop-Tarts Bulls, the third selection out of the league. Look, I get West Virginia is just up the East Coast there. I don't think that the Pop-Tarts Bowl saw West Virginia play, what, four or five times this season. Uh, I feel pretty good about K-State going to the Pop-Tarts Bowl. However, maybe Oklahoma State winning the uh, Big 12 title on Saturday, which I think is highly unlikely, would dramatically shift some things. But uh, I think K-State ends up at the Pop-Tarts Bowl. What says you? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, I think the, the most likely scenario, <laughs> excuse me. Um, but there, there's more than a zero chance that they don't get, like, like I said, especially if Oklahoma gets in near six, Kansas state's probably definitely in the pop tarts bowl. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. But I mean, there's an outside chance. Oklahoma goes to the Alamo bowl and the pop tarts bowl says, you know, screw it. We're going to do Oklahoma State again. Um, yeah. They could certainly do that. And the Texas Bowl could still say, I mean, we, we really want Iowa State um, still. Liberty Bowl just had KU, right? So at that point, you could fall to the Liberty Bowl. That would really suck for us, obviously, because the Liberty Bowl sucks. Um, it would help our wallets out a little bit because the Liberty Bowl is not an expensive trip. Uh, and I do enjoy that. I actually don't mind the city of Memphis that much, to be quite honest. Um, probably enjoy it more than Houston, for example. I would pick Memphis over Houston for talking cities. But if we're talking actual bowl game and stadium, Liberty Bowl is not really high up there. Yeah, it is. Uh, that that's look. I've been to some bad stadiums, and I've I've not been afraid to tell people about it. I it's, think the Liberty Bowl stadium is worse. the worst. Yeah, it's worse than KU Stadium. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I would I would rather go to a bowl game in Lawrence, Kansas than a bowl game at the Liberty Bowl. One hundred percent. I have another hot take, and and, and it might not be that hot because I know some people that kind of agree with it. We're going to stay on the stadium stuff. The booth, and I know it's about to get renovated, so this is probably going to be absolutely the case um, here soon. I think the booth might already be a more enjoyable experience um in a better stadium than jack trice uh i would i would agree with that at least to to some extent um i, I i'll need i guess what, I guess what we're saying, under my belt yeah. but. i guess what we're saying is jack trice uh somehow avoids a lot of the shade it should be getting <laughs> yeah I, it's almost like it's you're just so sad that like we're not gonna beat up on you too hard uh, you know, like I, I think that there's a little bit of that that goes on there, but yeah, uh, you're probably right on that. I mean, you think about it, I, the big 12 in terms of what they're gaining stadium wise, it's not the, it's not the best. Some of the scenery is better, uh, with what you're getting with like Colorado you know, you, and Arizona, you know, Arizona state, 
BYU is a nice stadium. Colorado's I haven't been old. There. I think I've never been, but it just looks old and kind of getting to outdated. Uh, yeah. I, I will tell you, I have been to Sun Devil Stadium. I've heard I, bad I, stories. I don't think it's very nice. There's a giant mountain behind it. Uh, really, it's just a big old hill with rocks on it. But uh, it's it's not that great. Maybe it's gotten better since then. Uh, I, I keep getting told by my Sun Devil propagandist, uh, Gabe Schwartz, that they have the best turf in college football, uh, which, you know, whatever. Uh, we'll see how that ends up working out. What, is, what does that even mean? <laughs> it means they got good grass but crappy football, uh, I think. Well, is what I was that trying means. to think, you know, going back now with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, and Oklahoma Stadium really isn't that nice. It's nice on the outside. You get inside it, you're like, eh, a little dumpy. Texas, pretty nice, I would say. Um, just a little like crowded in the press box because it's not as spacious as one would imagine. Uh, but in general, so we're talking new big new Big Twelve. But we're going on a tangent here. Kansas State's probably tier one for stadiums. Now the East Side maybe takes it away a little bit, but um, I, I guess do you penalize penalize Kansas State Stadium for the East Side, and make them down to tier two for mm-hmm. Big Twelve stadiums? Yeah, maybe slightly. I really the upper deck of the east side is is what knocks you. That's that's the next thing Gene can worry about. I don't think he has to worry about hiring any coaches in the near future. So yeah. he can work on making sure that the east side uh, of the stadium eventually looks as good as the west side. I I would I would consider blindly putting BYU in it, but I guess I I need to see it for myself. But I imagine they might be tier one. But I need not, I need to see the actual stadium, not just like the scenic shots and everything around. Like, what is the actual feel of the stadium? Do, do I am I worried that cement's going to fall on me like I'm at Wrigley Field? Yeah, and Baylor's is too like it looks so- like it's a, a soccer stadium. Baylor feels like a soccer stadium. I, I would say it was like one of those generic like you're building a stadium in a video game, and it's just like you get all the like the generic uh, features, and that's what Baylor is aside from their cool. Um, now, part of their scenery is terrible, but the one side is the lake or whatever it is, or the river, maybe, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's poor. But I, I wouldn't put Baylor in Tier 1. Uh, TCU is – I'm just – to be honest, it's not that bad of a stadium, but I just don't like TCU, so I'm not going to put them yeah, in Tier 1. Like yeah. <laughs> so – and you could agree with me, but I think the Tier 1 might be only two stadiums if you don't put Kansas State in. I think it's Oklahoma State, Boone Pickens Stadium. Uh, I know you're not a huge fan, but I think that's one of the. I think it's teams. over. I think it's overrated. And this and honestly, it's mainly because of they try to make the outside look like it's really nice, and then you get in there and you're like, oh, this is kind of like bland and boring. And like, that, see, that's why I think of tech, or that's what I think of Oklahoma. Oh yeah, I mean, I I would agree with Oklahoma. That that's for sure. I honestly, uh, there's a chance so, that, and I haven't so spent the, so much the, time the, around the concourse, but I would give Jones AT and T and love. I was it. gonna say if you don't think it's Oklahoma State, nice. See, I put Oklahoma State and Texas Tech at the top by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. I th- that's okay with me. Um, I, no, I just think it highlights that the Big 12s in a in a situation with stadiums that uh, right now is in a little bit of a tricky spot. Yeah, it's, I mean it's not ideal. Not we started this with with the bull rundown, and I guess I, one more point that I wanted to say too is like you saw where I did like the doomsday scenario for Kansas State, and it got to the Liberty Bowl. And, of course, the Liberty Bowl would have taken Kansas State in that scenario. I don't think there's another school that it would take. Maybe would they take West Virginia over Kansas State? I doubt it. Uh, So that doomsday scenario I laid out, I still didn't get Kansas State to the Independence Bowl. So I don't know what Stuart Mandel is smoking. 
I would almost rather go to the Independence Bowl than the Liberty Bowl, uh, just because I've never been down there. And I'll be honest, the flyer that they handed out in Lawrence this year had me starting to believe that, like, oh, yeah, this may not be too I think, bad. I think it's probably a similar experience to the Liberty Bowl, if I had to guess. Yeah, probably. Or it's maybe, probably a, little bit, or so maybe a little bit better. <laughs> but I would be interested in at least visiting Shreveport because I think it's on the water, so maybe do something along those lines. Yeah, go fishing. Uh, West Virginia last went to the Liberty Bowl in the pandemic season. So uh, they, they were there maybe... more recently than us. Hmm. Yeah. But, you know, pandemic year, I don't know. We'll see. The good, uh, and the Liberty you know, Bowl might be scared because so many K-State people have talked crap about the experience. And and then they gave KU a literal crappy experience last year. Like, yeah, there's no water. Uh, you can't You can't use anything that needs water. Yeah, now Kansas State. I will say this: they lucked out when they went to the Liberty Bowl in 2019, because since they did not play an SEC school, they played Navy. If you guys remember, mm-hmm. and the SEC team is supposed to be the home team, and they get the really nice hotel. Uh, what's that? Ho- I forget the hotel's called. Um, oh, uh, so it's it has the, the Ducks. The I don't remember the, the name. Yeah, of it's it. the famous hotel. But uh, Kansas State got to go to that hotel. Because the the away team gets like a eh, hotel um, that is a uh, lot. the Peabody, the Peabody. Yeah, I can't say got the state the Peabody, but if they if you pull, but usually the SEC team is the one who gets the state Peabody. Well, screw that, screw the SEC. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's pathetic. So we'll see. I I don't know. I I'm I'm just telling myself it's going to be the Pop Tarts Bowl for K State. Um, like I'm yeah, okay with probably. it being somewhere else because it, it just it's it's easier travel if it's anywhere but Orlando for K State fans and I that I I value the accessibility of the travel over the prestige of the game and opponent unless it is obviously like last year going to the Sugar Bowl yes I would rather go to the Sugar Bowl than like you yeah. know the Liberty Bowl or whatever as else. someone if, uh, like us that has to work the game and. And do all those things, accessibility, travel, um, and cost definitely come into play because Orlando at Christmas time is it's a tough, tough ask. I, I will say that. So um, I'm, 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 I agree with you right there. Something I just didn't, I just thought about because it crossed my mind because it's an SEC opponent. But Kentucky's probably a Liberty Bowl um, potential participant, I would think, with their yeah, record. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and what if Will Howard picks Kentucky? Ooh, oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Will like Howard. To, so well, I already, I already like rooting for Kentucky. I already like pulling for Kentucky. I, I my, my cousin was briefly a student at Kentucky amongst like the three other colleges that he attended uh, in his life. But yeah, I, I like, I like rooting for the UK Cats. Uh, that that would be interesting to see. Now it'll be fun to follow along with. Just if you see Stuart Mandel saying something stupid, don't believe him, and uh, that'll be good. And we'll be here Sunday to go over it all. We'll have plenty of coverage up until Sunday, though, because we've got K State basketball. As we're recording this, it will be upcoming tonight at home against Oral Roberts, and then uh, plenty more football stuff to get to throughout the week as uh, we lead up to K State's bowl destination and opponent. And uh, basketball heating up as well a week away from the big matchup with Villanova at Bramlage. So for Derek Young, I am Mason Vogt. That will do it for us on this edition of the KSO Show. And uh, I will apologize to anybody that heard the uh, 
the little turd down to the bottom of me down there, just squealing around, doing her thing. I'll take her little thing down. There she is. She's locked in on her dancing fruit and vegetables right now anyway to keep her quiet. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on and have better times. You know, maybe she did pretty good today. She let me go about 40 minutes before she got really antsy. So I appreciate her for doing that and uh, for DY putting up with uh, the odd schedule of somebody at home with a three-month-old baby. So that will do it for us on the KSO Show. Stay locked in to K-State Online for all the football and basketball coverage you need. And again, make sure that you take advantage of the big deal. Sign up first time for a dollar and then 50% off an annual subscription for KSO right now. So you just got to head over to On3 to take advantage of it. It ends Tuesday night. So by the end of Tuesday, it will be done. So make sure... Uh, this does not help you for me to tell you to make sure you watch this before the end of Tuesday, but watch this before the end of Tuesday, get it all taken care of, and uh, you'll be locked in and plugged in as well as anybody in the world of K-State sports. So thank you for watching and listening to K-State Online.